It's a little too early for being that loud. Hey, too late. It's 0600. What's the O stand for? Oh, my God, it's early. Smoking. smoking, smoking. When I wake up every morning as I'm getting up, I hit it up. Now I'm fitted up. That's right. It is Monday morning once again. God help us all. 7 a.m. Time for your favorite part of the week, Coffee and Chronic, with myself, Phoenix, and you know. Hempress Emily M. Good morning, everybody. I hope you have your coffee. Rolled one up. Well, you know, there is one rule around here. It's the rooster booster. Pour a cup and roll up. Let's do it. That's right. You heard her say it. Pour a cup and roll up. It is time to dig into that wonderful thing that we call Coffee and Chronic Monday morning. And of course, this is a new live son of a bitch is more than just a new live son of a bitch. It is a new era ushered in where Phoenix is running her own show because next week, Phone boy will not be here, sadly. Don't make me start on that. I'll get all crying on the mic, and then it'll all go to hell. I'll probably end up short-circuiting it out. So we It'll be the, pub, the, the episode that never was. <laughs> hey, there are two episodes of <laughs> The Lotus Effect that never were. Yeah. But, uh, That's all right. What, be around long enough. You, you get to have that right. So. Yeah, I guess so. We, uh, we are so out of sync this morning, or at least I friggin' am, but it doesn't matter. Because we have restructured a few things uh, for everyone who's been listening and knows all about the NASGATE BS. You know that we've changed a little bit of our vernacular and what we do with our shows. So we are going to specifically talk this morning about the tip cup. Now, what is the tip cup? Well, it's all about donation. It's all about the things that used to be known as time, talent, and treasure. And we're calling it a return on investment. And we are a return on investment podcast. And the way that works is we provide some value in the form of entertainment. And whatever value you put on that, whether it's sharing it with your friends, listening live, telling people about it, maybe you splash the walls with some Satoshis here in the studio that gets split with Miss Hepress Emily M. Maybe you send money because we have a website, coffeeandchronic.com, and we have a green We Like Money button. And if you smash that button hard enough, you can send us some of your gold press latinum, your fiat fund coupons, whatever you call the cuck bucks in your wallet. If your money offends you, we'll take it off your hands. And you can also send send us something in the mail, uh, hit us on the back channel. If you want an address, we will be more than glad to provide that to you. If you want to send us something physically, whether it's a physical paper letter or it's a gift, you know, send it along. And with that, we are going to talk about the people who have contributed value to our show. And we don't have any financial donors, but we do have plenty of people who have boosted and liked the fact that we're doing this show this morning. We would like to also thank Phone Boy behind the mic for, despite the fact that he isn't doing anything uh, currently other than looking amazing, he is kind of making sure this shit show still runs like the false start this morning where we didn't have the record button running and all of those wonderful things. 
So there's other ways that you can contribute. You can send us feedback. You can message us on lotuseffect.social. I am at Phoenix and M is on the social. Yep. Muted. She's muted this morning. That's fantastic. I'm muted. Uh, <laughs> she pulled I the phone am. away. I did. I was trying to be polite and not have my breathing noises or mouth noises as you were talking. Um, so I'm on any social media. If there's an at Hempress Emily M, that's your girl. You can find me, um, whether that be the Twitters um, or on the Mastodons or even the Facebooks. I'm, I'm out there. You'll find me. That's right. And of course, you can also email us, phoenix at coffee and chronic, it's C-A-W-F-E-E-N-C-H-R-O-N-I-C.com or hempressemilym at coffeeandchronic.com. And of course, we have our phone lines, which are open because we love to hear from you all in so much as if you want to weigh in on the topic that we are discussing, you can feel free to call 253-237-3321 and be part of the conversation this morning. We would absolutely love it. And with that, we are going to actually dive right all up in to this topic this morning. So I'm going to hand the mic to you, Miss Emily. Okay, so... Last week, we discussed um, the decade of the 1960s, and in the 1960s, they passed the Equal Pay Act, and by they, I mean Kennedy. Um, (laughs) It was uh, June 10th, 1963. Now, in that Equal Pay Act, I feel like we need to discuss a little bit about that and like what what we got out of it. Um, So... Within the Equal Pay Act, um, it outlines prohibition of sex discrimination. No employer having employees subject to any provisions of this section shall discriminate within any establishment in which such employees are employed. Between employees on the basis of sex by paying wages to employees in such establishment at a rate less than the rate at which he pays wages to employees of the opposite sex in such establishment for equal work on jobs. Okay, so it's a lot of legalese, but basically this is the federal government telling corporations in America you will pay male workers the same rate that you pay female workers for equal work, meaning if you worked in Mr. Ford's factory on that factory line, putting tires on, um, a woman walks up, she's going to get paid the same as you do. And we already had unions, but this just really got them unions going again. Uh, But that's a different subject for a different day. Back to the equal pay legalese. Uh, The act... the description of the act within this legal uh, doctrine that we all have to follow the rules of now, um, it's to prohibit discrimination on account of sex in the payment of wages by employers engaged in commerce or in the production of goods for commerce. The Congress hereby finds that the existence in industries engaged in commerce or in the production of goods for commerce of wage differentials based on sex. One, depresses wages and living standards for employees necessary for their health and efficiency. Two, 
prevents the maximum utilization of the available labor resources. B tends to cause labor disputes, thereby, uh, thereby burdening, affecting, and obstructing commerce. Four, burdens commerce and the free flow of goods in commerce. And five, constitutes an unfair method of competition. Approved June 10th, 1963. Okay, so I read that and I understand that the efforts are to have the most amount of employees for the megacorp. If we got, we got men's, they've always been working. For real, for real, they've always been working. And then we got these women folks who want to stand up and say, but I'm a person too. I have the rights. I would like money. So they say, oh, sweet. Our workforce just fucking diggity doubled. Get them bitches out here. Why aren't you paying them the same? If you, you got to lure the ladies out the house. You got to pay them the same amount of money. You got to, well, first, okay. First, they legally require employers to offer the same wages. Think minimum wage. Right. Okay. So we had men out here who were valued. They were paid. Their wages were determined by their value that they brought to the company. And then in my mind, looking back, standing here today in 2024, when I look 63 and I see this happen, we switched from the, uh, the person, being paid what they are worth to the company to the company paying you what you're worth to the company. I'm going to run that by y'all again because that needs to be repeated. Um, We went from a system where the individual was paid based on their benefit to the corporation. And now you are paid based on your benefit to the corporation. Okay, so this goes back to the we're all just an employee number. And this is how it happened. Okay. Okay. So, and this was the Equal Pay Act, as we'll find today, (laughs) really came about because, um, listen, us ladies, boy, you can't forget about us. If y'all think somebody's going to get something, us ladies better have it too. Because if we ain't got it, boy, we're going to throw a fit. And we're going to be mad. And also... (laughs) The fact that back in, I believe it was around WW2, women actually had to Mm -hmm. go to work because all their men were off at war and there were still munitions that had to be made, et cetera, et cetera. And we'll talk about that in the time when when we talk about Rosie the Riveter and that whole thing. Mm -hmm. That was really the big push of women entering the workforce on a more substantial basis. And also, if we look at, (laughs) I am, listen. I am team women can do shit when we have to do shit. You will not find somebody more determined and capable than a bitch backed into a corner. I'm going to tell you what. Okay? I, I, I will argue anybody on that, but you back a bitch into a corner, she'll fucking figure it out. She will come out of that. Most of us come out stronger. But the idea that kind of really gave them the audacity to do this in in the 60s and by they i mean the corporations big corporate america the big the the second industrial boom whatever it was um when the women were forced into the workforce in the 40s because of world war ii 
um, we built ships in record time. <laughs> we produced munitions in record time. We did that shit in record time. Like, we didn't care that we had to work for 18 hours because, bitch, we moms. We're on 24. You mean I only got to be here 18? All right, done. That's good. That's another reason why employers like women because of the fact that, and I know you've had your rants about how We're unreliable. We're built to sacrifice. Yeah, exactly. We do sacrifice. We're, We're more meticulous in the work that we do. Yep. We care more about the work that we put out. And I mean, I know the men out there are probably having a shit fit stomping their fists like, oh, not true. And no, y'all very have, true. <laughs> y'all have pride in your work. I am not shitting on men. I believe that without men, we can't have women. And without men, we can't have women. God had Adam and Adam was fucking lonely. He said, give me that red, blew some dust into it. Say, here's your girl, Eve. And I'm here. I am of man, but I am separate from man. And all I want us ladies to do is acknowledge our separateness and be special that way. Like, yeah, but, we're not supposed... Okay, but one thing that's driven me nuts in my whole life, and I'm, you know, an old fart at this point, the whole bullshit of feminists getting up their asses wanting to take the word man out of their fucking title of woman. I am not a you man. and can Like, whatever. You can't do that. No. Like, and uh, I, I mean, I hate to be that person, but like to take it to the religious point, like you said, the whole Adam and Eve ribbon situation. Um, yeah, there's a reason we are of man. So we are a woe man. Yeah. Feminists are right. fucking lighting their heads on fires now. Yeah. Well, there's um, back when this first the idea of feminism really first starts, uh, it, the phrasing was proposed as womanist. Which means that we are just pro woman. We're we're not, you know, it's not a, a feminine thing. It was more of like, okay, we have man and we have woman, so we have all these enumerated rights for men. But what about us ladies? Well, duh, you're you're a woman. It should be implied. But I digress. We're we're talking facts right now. Uh, <laughs> so, so the Equal Pay Act solidifies there's now double the workforce available to corporate america okay so now i want us to think about i don't know our first job and we thought we was rich right and then we went and we got a i don't know maybe a promotion or a better job and then we thought we was rich and the more money we make the more money we spend okay now that's just us individuals corporations are the same <laughs> so now that they have all of humanity i mean save our children right you have to be like well now in 2024 most kids can start working at 13 which is an issue in and of itself but you know it's the the workforce market is roughly 16 to 75 right like that's when they say you could not work anymore it's about 75 so we went from just having that to men mostly was where we got our our workforce and then we opened it up to women so now you have double the employees you have double the expectations and it worked out great like we've got a fucking walmart in every town we got a, a target in almost every other town we got mcdougall's everywhere we got burger queen everywhere like it worked however it hasn't worked to the benefit of the individuals right like there's no uh brenda queen right it's dairy queen and brenda works at dairy queen so um the 
to some extent, it's a disservice to the individuals to become reliant upon the corporations that we have worked for for generations, which I'm not anti-work. I'm not like, oh, bring all the corporations down. I'm just, when, when we give them, when we put our name in the hat, it's going to get drawn. So we can't really be mad about it getting pulled out of the hat. We can just not put our name in the hat. And that's where I'm at. I think ladies should go back home. Um, <clears throat> only because it's not serving us. It's not serving us. They, they pay us less than we deserve because we ask for less because we're programmed to think we're worth, worth less. Right? Not worthless. Worth less. And your main worth is to the people immediately connected to you. That's where your most value is. So that's where you should be putting in on your efforts. Um, but in the 60s, we have Equal Pay Act. So now everybody can go to the grocery store and apply for a job and be offered the same amount of money for the same amount of work. Cool. We're running on that through the 60s. Um, yeah, but the feminists were not happy about this. No, they weren't. And it, it was very much a, well, that's not enough. Because the reality is, and this is where I can kind of, I can hear Miss Gloria Steinem and not want to backhand her. Because her big thing, and really the way that the feminists got away with this in the 60s, was acknowledging that being a boss babe does not negate you from your domestic duties, does not negate you from your motherhood duties. Now, instead of having one full-time job of being the woman of your household, you got two full-time jobs. And then they got smart and they were like, wait, being at home don't really pay. And then they were like, well, if I go outside, then I have money. But then also you get in this cycle of uh, latchkey kids in the 80s, people raising themselves. Do the Gen X's out here being fuck around and find out because their mamas was at work working? Yeah. Basically having three jobs and only getting paid for one. Fomboy and I had that conversation last night even behind the mic because we were talking about the fact that we were both latchkey kids and what damage it does to you. Find me a Gen Xer that wasn't a latchkey kid. Well, I'll wait. You know. And it, because it but was it either sucks. y'all were like only children or there was nine of y'all. And who the fuck needs to raise nine of y'all? Y'all raise each other. Yeah, you know he that? and I were. You be here for dinner. I was an only child and he has a step sibling, but they weren't raised together. So he ostensibly was an only child for the he most part. Child, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the theme of Gen X. When one you, or all of them. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> when I think about it, I think about the fact that. You know, at X fragile age, you know, seven, eight years old, we'll say, I'm letting myself in the house. It's quiet. And I mean, living a very sheltered life, that was really lonely because it was scary. You don't know if somebody's Mm going to, you know, come busting in your friggin' house and, you know, cause you harm. You know, there, I can remember I had a babysitter one time and it wasn't an isolated incident that it happened where. She lived in the building next to us, so okay, fine. The bus drops me off. It's not like I can't walk one building over and to the babysitter's house. The problem came in that there was a time or two when she wasn't there. And what do you do? So, thankfully, I knew that my mother would be walking by a certain bank in our town because we lived in a small little town. So I walked my ass over to the bank and I sat on the uh, the outside pillar until she walked 
by and then I met up with her and she was furious that the babysitter had not shown up and this and that and if I remember yeah. correctly, I think that was the point at which, like, the second time it happened was when mom and dad had the conversation, like, look, if this is going to be the situation, then just give her a fucking key. Like, bottom yeah, she's line. she's going to be left abandoned anyways. She may as well be abandoned at home. <laughs> yeah, abandoned, not locked out of a structure. And, you know, the upstairs right, neighbor yeah. was willing to be the, you know, if the fit hit the shan type If anything thing. catches on fire, I'll run down with a water hose, yeah. Right, or I can knock yeah. on her door and, like, everything will be okay type thing. You know, and occasionally, mm-hmm. you know, she kept an eye on me for a short amount of time. But long and short is, yeah, we Gen Xers that were latchkey kids, we had to grow up real damn quick because we didn't have a choice. You damn well didn't lose that house key. Otherwise, you were fucked and you were locked out because mom and dad were going to be really upset that you lost said but house I hope key. it didn't rain. Oh, my. Yeah. Well, thankfully, we had uh, where we lived. It was um, there was a covered porch. So I could technically have sat on the porch and not been drenched. Yeah. But I mean. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, but that's that's what happens when our my grandmothers, I mean like my, I'm a millennial, so my grandma was your is your mom's generation, you're my mom's generation and to get y'all to where y'all are, like grandma had to drink the Kool-Aid. Grandma had to hear Gloria Steinem out you saying, uh, go get a job. But also, don't forget that you have to do your home stuff. Be mad about that. Take it out on your employer. Get them to pay you more. Like, that's not, that wasn't, that was a lie that we should have saw as a lie. And not enough ladies back then had either the, I don't, I don't want to call them not mentally capable, but like something in their brain wasn't developed enough to say, um, that seems like nonsense. That that seems like more trouble than it's worth. And and then they drank the Kool-Aid and they went and got their college degrees or their corporate jobs. And because they had those corporate jobs, they um, couldn't raise their children that they had. So then those children grew up to be latchkey kids, also drinking the same feminist Kool-Aid of be a boss lady and have kids do it all. And then they go have millennial children and then wonder why um, we spent all of our time playing video games and on the Internet before we should have been. And why we think that we're special little snowflakes because of the mom guilt that we um, got to deal with because mom's working 60 hours and dad's probably not around and so we got to feel bad about that So you're the specialist greatest thing ever. You're the best thing. You're wonderful You could do anything you want and then um, then everybody's mad at us because uh, nobody raised us and I'm just here to tell y'all That um, it's not our fault really. It's kind of our fault and that's where this show comes in to unfuck the fucking that happened um, so that way we can be educated and we can make the right choices and we can know things and understand how these systems are put in place to keep us fucked. Yeah, the problem, Welcome. too, you will is no that longer be fucked. Nowadays, we have the women who, yeah, there's a dad in the home. He's one of those corporate assholes, too. So both of them literally just have fuck trophies because all they are, and I'll say it like that, is... They're, they're literally status symbols. They're, look what I got. Isn't it pretty shiny and cute? And then hand it off to an au pair or somebody like that because, oh, I've got a business meeting. Oh, I've got a nail appointment. Nobody wants to raise their fucking kids. They expect the school's going to raise their kids. And this is where we're rooting it, is the feminists standing up, pounding their fists on the desk, going, we want to be in the workforce. We want equal pay. Me, 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 me. 
I hope you're fucking happy, Steinem. I hope you're happy. This is what you have now. You have an entire generations of entitled little fuck trophies who don't know what they're doing and are being really rude to adults because they don't have any moral compass of which has been installed in them by parents who actually took the time to raise them. What a wild concept because they were too busy being at work and too busy having cocktail parties and social meetings. And don't get me started on the fact that nobody wants to interact face to face and person to person anymore. It's all about how many likes do I have on Facebook and oh, you know, all these people liked my Twitter post and oh my God, I've got to make a TikTok. Just stop it. Just stop it. Well, that's an underlying um, need to be seen and validated. So uh, that just says that that person is deeply damaged and lonely and probably needs a fucking hug like Draco Malfoy. Like, all that, all that kid needed was a hug and a, I'm proud of you, kid. And he wouldn't have been a fucking death-eating dickbag. But, and know. that's it. It does not take that much to be a good parent. You know it. I know it. Take time to interact with your kids. Read them a bedtime story. And this is why, oh my God, this is why I rail constantly about cook dinner for your kids. Don't just swing by McDonald's and pick them up a fucking Happy Meal. Don't just bring home a pizza. Actually put some work in, ladies and gentlemen, for that matter, because I'm not going to put it all off on the women, okay? Make dinner for your kids. Sit down at the dinner table and have dinner with your kids. Check in with them. How was your day? Everything all right? You, You good? You know, interact. They need that. They really need that. And from the time they're just out the body to the time that they turn the tassel. Don't give up on your kids. Interact with them and be present in their life because that is what makes a good human being. Not being tossed off to a babysitter, not being sat in front of an electronic device so that it can distract you while mommy goes and takes a Xanax and, you know, has a couple of cocktails or whatever it is. Just interact. I was with your just kids. thinking, so mommy could get the Zoom meeting done, but yeah, we're still in Zans and wine. Whatever it is, you're literally <laughs> you're literally poisoning your children with these electronic devices as babysitters and the garbage food. That too. Not only not okay. That's a whole different show. But yeah, the food is garbage. You're putting garbage into the system, and then you're forcing it to consume other garbage via its eyes holes and ears holes. I don't know what you expect to the result to be. If garbage plus garbage equals um, common core, would say garbage, right? Like that's it. Just it doesn't make any sense to me. And I. It's and that might just be that just might be the tism. I don't know. It it seems like such a simplistic thing, but it's clearly not such a simplistic thing. It's very complex and enough people don't understand it because we're fucking 50 years into feminism or actually longer than that. But let's get back to that. So the there was a sociologist. I want to uh, I want to say something real quick, Gitlin. though. I, I just need to oh, pop yeah, this in there. Um, you were ta- um, about what you were just talking about. Oh, the garbage plus garbage equals garbage? Yeah. If you want to hear all about the garbage <laughs> yeah. food and what you shouldn't be putting in your bodies, tune in the Lotus Effect at 4 p.m. on Saturday, 4 p.m. Central, that is. You'll hear Phoneboy and I talk all about the garbage that people are putting into their bodies, but 
uh, you know, from food to big pharma to whatever else they're trying to kill us with. Lotus Effect, 4 p.m. Central Saturday. Tune in. Had to get that shameless plug in. Plug in. No, 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 you're good. No, sorry. I enjoy a good plug. Uh, Okay, so... 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 (laughs) Sociologist. Let's say the word, Emily. uh, You need more coffee and chronic, madam. I don't know. It's a... Sociology. It's one of my... (laughs) It is a useful study. However, it seems very made up now because everything is too good and we have too lo- too much time to sit around and analyze shit. Nobody's actively getting chased by lions, so sociology has kind of turned into drivel, in my opinion. Um, but I also, uh, if I had to pick a label for myself, I'd be a sociologist. Um, so Todd Gitlin writes this book. Uh, it's called The 60s, Years of Hope, Days of Rage. And this is a quote from that. Uh, The genies that the 60s let loose are still abroad in the land, inspiring and unsettling and unoffending, making trouble for the civil rights and anti-war and counter counter cultural and women's and the rest of that decade's movements forced upon us central issues for Western civilization. Fundamental questions of value, fundamental divides of culture and fundamental debates about the nature of the good life. So, all this hooting, hollering, pick-me behavior in the 60s from the women's, um, it left its mark on our society, like, to, to, to an extent that it never really had been able to before. Uh, by the end of the 60s, more than 80% of wives of childbearing age were using contraception after the federal government in 1960 approved a birth control pill. This freed many women from un- unwanted pregnancy and gave them many more choices and freedom in their personal lives. Gradually, Americans came to accept some of the basic goals of the 60s feminists. Equal pay for equal work, an end to domestic violence, curtailment of severe limits on women in managerial jobs and ending sexual harassment in the workplace sharing and sharing responsibility for housework and child rearing one in five women with children under six and nearly one fourth of women whose children were over 16 held paid jobs in the 60s their pay however was 60 percent of the male rate though equal pay legislation Though equal pay legislation passed in 1963, that did not solve the, the problem of low-pay jobs that were, class, that were classed as female. No, and now, even today, that is, there's yeah, still and those a little are, bit of that. Yeah, your, your classed female jobs, there isn't really a list of them because I didn't take time to look it up. But back in that day, those were that was nurses, that was clerical aides, those were teachers, those were... Um, back in that day, like the, the hotel, uh, what would that be? The maid staff or whatever, like yes. that was, that was women. Like we clean at home so we could get paid to clean somewhere else. Why the fuck not? Like that's a lady job, but that wasn't, those jobs don't pay well or pay as well as, I don't know what would pay well in a hospital compare or in a, a hotel comparatively, but like. That was the issue that women at the time were experiencing is that they would go and they would get these typically female jobs um, and that pay rate, because now you're paid what you're worth to the company um, is low. Like the 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 value of clerical of someone answering the phone 
is roughly minimum wage. And I feel that that's a fair assessment. The other argument that comes and still happens to this day up in like, what was it, a week and a half ago, you and I had this discussion, the equal pay for equal work. That still happens to this day. That argument and that mentality still exists. So like they started a bunch of shit in the 60s and just left it open ended and said, goosebumps, see how it ends. Pick your own ending. And here we are in 2024, unable to collectively define woman um, and unable to have legitimate women-only spaces um, because we've left it so open-ended and nonsensey. Uh, Take a the, breath. I want to recognize that we've received a boost of one, two, three, four oh! from Anonymous saying coffee strong today. Woo! That's right. We're hitting some oh, hard thank stuff. You, thank you. We're, we're getting it. Um, <laughs> and I was just oh, giving you a hard time you. about I that take a that. breath thing. I'm like, the jersey's coming yeah. out, girl. It is. I, w- I was there for a short time, but it left its mark. Uh, <laughs> Only lived there a year, so, I feel you. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's something that I'm passionate about because I, too, I, too, drank the feminist Kool-Aid. I, too, was one of these, like, I could be a boss, babe. I could work and be a mom. Okay. And you no, were. Bitch, you were working, like, plus 100 hours I was a week. Working, yeah. It was wild. It was wild. Was it worth it? Nah. Was it the best thing to do at the time? Nah. Would I do it over? Yeah. Like, it's... But it that's endearing. That, the fact that you are... But, of the age that you are and you're not taking the typical stance of your generation of somebody else will do it. I'll just have somebody take care of me. And I'm not saying that because like you didn't start out as the, I'm going to stay home, homeschool my daughter and make her a whole human. You were working that hundred plus. You were on that hamster wheel. Yeah. This this was an evolutionary process. Uh, It was an awakening of sorts. Um, yeah, you just. I personally got to a point where I was playing the fucking game better than anybody else around me, but it was still not enough. It was still not right, and I was like, maybe, maybe Emily, we're not supposed to play the game everybody else is playing. Maybe playing it by these rules to the best of your abilities just means you end up in the hospital dehydrated because you're fucking working a hundred something hours a week, and that means that you're only sleeping like twenty something hours a week. And your social life is shit. And, you know, um, it was just, it was a realization that, like, that may be the game. It's not my game. Yeah. And I I played it real well. And I'll fucking, I will show up and clean house any day. I will play that game with people. But I don't, that's not my game to play. And I just found my own lane. And my own lane is taking the time I have on my hands to run the tape back and figure out where the fuck it went wrong. And figure out like what we can change our minds on today or what we could look at with a different lens and perspective and say, huh, lady brain strikes again. <laughs> I want to the remind our time, listeners that they can call 253-237-3321 if they want to get in on this conversation. I'm sure we have plenty 
of men and women out there who either agree, disagree, you know, whatever it is, just give us a holler, 253-237-3321. We want to hear your opinion. And we're going to talk about that the first organized movement aimed at gaining rights for American women effectively began in July of 1848, all the way back there, way before Gloria Steinem, way before all of these other women were standing up and demanding, hell, even way before women entered the workforce, there were already people out there, women out there that were like, hey, something's not right. I think Susan B. Anthony might have been like, yeah, I think Susan B. Anthony might have been like two years old. (laughs) Yeah, and we all know how influential she was. She ended up on a uh, a coin. Yeah. So the, the convention was organized by Elizabeth Cady Stanton and... Lucretia Mott at Seneca Falls in New York. Now, the attendees signed the Declaration of Sentiments, which affirmed women's equality with men. And they passed a dozen of resolutions calling for various specific rights, including the right to vote, which you've heard Empress Emily absolutely railing that we need to repeal the 19th. 19th. Well, this is this is where some of that started. And although the early women's rights movement was linked to abolitionism, passage of the 15th Amendment in 1870 angered some women's rights leaders who resented black men being granted suffrage before white women. And similarly, the white, the women's suffrage movement, um, I'm trying to get my teeth glued in, hold on, Ugh! Similarly, (laughs) the women's suffrage movement also largely marginalized or excluded black feminists like Sojourner Truth and Ida B. Wells. And through ratification of the 19th Amendment in 1920, the one that Hampress Emily loves so much, it fulfilled the principal goal of feminism's first wave, guaranteeing that white women would have the right to vote. Now, black women and other women of color faced continued obstacles till the passage of the Voting Rights Act in 1965, which is 45 years, for those who don't do simple math, after white women got the right to vote. So in 1963, Betty Friedman published The Feminine Mystique, which argued that women were chafing against the confines of their roles as wives and mothers. Now, the second wave feminist called for a revelation of traditional gender roles in society and an end to sexist discrimination. Frieden, Gloria Steinem, you heard us talk about her earlier, and Bella Abzug founded the National Women's Political Caucus in 1971. How points of the second wave included passage of the Equal Pay Act and the landmark Supreme Court decision in Griswold versus Connecticut in 1965 and Roe v. Wade in 1973, which were related to reproductive freedom. And we are still arguing about today. But while Congress passed the Equal Rights Amendment in 72, a conservative backlash ensued and it fell short of the number of states needed for ratification. And like the suffrage movement, the second wave feminism drew criticism for centering privileged white women and some black women formed their own feminist organizations, including the National Black Feminist Organization, NBFO. And despite its achievements, the women's liberation movement had begun to lose momentum by 1980. Now, this is not a coincidence as we were ushering in the Reagan years just around that time. Yeah, the swing back to conservatism. Yep. 
So the 90s focused on tackling problems that still existed, including sexual harassment in the workplace and a shortage of women in positions of power. Like you were talking about the whole, I can be a boss bitch. Rebecca Walker, the mixed race daughter of second wave leader Alice Walker, announced the arrival of feminism's third wave. Third wave feminism also sought to be more inclusive when it came to race and gender. The work of scholar and theorist Kimberly Crenshaw on the concept of intersectionality or how types of oppression (laughs) based on race, class, gender, etc. can overlap. And it was particularly influential in that area. Third wave feminists also drew on the work of gender theorist Judith Butler, including support for trans rights in this type of intersexual feminism. Yes, I'm going to hit it, too, because that's what we're seeing now. Everybody's all about. I'm a woman. I'm better than you grow up. You know, just because I was born with a with a pole, not a hole, I can have it inverted and I'm one of you and I can be on your sports teams and you have to accept me, damn it, because this is the way it is. And it doesn't even have to go that far. They just have to say, I feel like a woman. Woo! Yeah. Shania Shania Twain for the win. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So in the, the. So we have our waves. We've identified them and it all starts. Like I said, when we started the show today, with the women folk being like, what the be? Um, and so, the what was the dates on that? So, in 1848, they start this, okay? And then in 1870, so 58, 68, uh, 32 years, okay? Almost 33. Black people. Sorry, couldn't resist. Yeah, almost 33. Right. Um, The 15th Amendment passes. Black men are being allowed to vote now. Okay. So that's 32 years. And then 1870 to 1920. 80, 90, 10, 20. 50 years. So 50 years later, the women folk, after whining for, uh, what are the, 82 years? About that. 82 years of whining and nagging and greasy wheeling or squeaky wheeling to get these, um, they they get their right to vote. Okay, okay. So 1920, we start voting. 2020, ladies, how'd that go? 100 yeah, how'd years later, how'd that go? How, how, how'd that play out? Not well. Not well. And an overall overarching... Nobody can say that a 100-year anniversary of women voting went well. So that's why I am repeal the 19th. Take out half the fucking votes. It'll be a lot easier to count them and a lot harder to fuck with it. And you or, know, alternatively, you go to the ballot, you prick your finger, you pick your person with your blood. And then when the shit goes down, you're, you're tied in it. You, you commit it. So we either do blood voting on the ballots or we repeal the 19th. But either way, it's still going to be funky because it's supposed to be funky. Yeah, and you know my opinion on it. Your vote doesn't count anyway, so don't waste your fucking time. And as we saw last and year with the way... that's how I got her on repeal the 19th. I, I recently saw an article where literally while using a pen in front of the judge, a guy literally changed a massive count of votes. He was one of those people mm-hmm. who knows how to like manipulate that shit. There's more and more proof coming out that the election was stolen, that Biden didn't really win, and the fact that they're working as hard as they are. And mind you, I'm not a Trump, I'm not a Trump or I'm not a MAGA, 
but I don't hate the guy. And there's more and more proof coming out to the fact that they stole the election and they're working so hard to prevent him from being able to be on the ballot in so many states. We are seeing corruption on the hoof, folks. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And that's and me personally, I am. I like to think I'm a little I can see in the future a little bit because my pattern recognition software is so good that as soon as I get the slightest hint of this ain't fucking right. Your girl is out. I ain't even going to tell nobody I'm out. I ain't about to announce my departure. You will just not see me around no more. Because I am. I, no, I'm not going down. I'm, I'm not. You're not going to catch me falling for some dumb shit because like I, I've, I've looked at the history. I've seen how this, it's a cyclical thing. They, it goes along until enough people remember that it happened, and then it's got to switch again, and then more people start saying, hey, that's kind of like the last thing, and then it switches again, and generation after generation, again, we don't talk to our elders, 1984, the wrongs, and we go non-contact, right, it's, you yep. know, we're, as much as they're doing it to us, we're allowing it to happen, and that's why they get away with it, and that's why. Hey, I've got an idea. Since whatever the since hell. it's an election year, you know how you've got all these people out there who are campaigning for uh, all these candidates and shit. I got an idea, y'all. You heard it here first. Coffee and Chronic put the idea out into the ethos. Let's make this happen. Let's all make a bunch of your vote doesn't fucking count. Repeal the nineteenth and etc. Come on, let's start a movement. If they can campaign. By God, so can we. I'm down. Make it in. Listen, guys, I'm serious, okay? Find your nearest big city and organize one of these get togethers with signs saying repeal the 19th. Billboards are cheap. And things like that. Billboards are cheap. Yeah, bill, well. I don't know and, how cheap okay, the so they can't be. Don't think I won't take one out in Nashville if I can afford it. Girl, come get some. I'll fucking do it. We will start a fire. I was going to say there, I mean, you can get some of them for like a hundred bucks. So uh, billboards are cheap, boo-boo. You, um, you do know that I'm going to set. can't be expressly political. I'm going to set phone boy so on this. So you would have to say. I'm 100% going <laughs> to set phone boy on Clear this. Clear channel. Call Clear channel. They own all the billboards. Clear well, no, channel. check it out. Clear for, channel. For serious. I'll tell you the first time. <laughs> I'll tell you the first time I saw anything controversial on a billboard and it really set me back. And it actually was here in beautiful East Tennessee that I started when um, I can't remember if Trump was in off. I think Trump was in office at the time. And there were all of these wonderful billboards out there that were snarky as shit with him on it. Um, And I think it actually was after he was out of office because I think one of them literally was that uh, evergreen meme. Miss me yet? And I saw this on a billboard and I literally was so absolutely gobsmacked, like, what? They allowed that to be put on a billboard? And it just keep getting better and better because they're going after, they're draining the swamp. They're going after the fucking politicians. They're starting to be like, look, we're no longer disillusioned by you people. And I think it's gorgeous. So, yeah, I'm absolutely about that. I I invite you folks, if you want to put some skin in the game with Coffee and Chronic, yeah, Get those billboards out there. Get people woke up to what's really going on. You heard it here first. See see Brooklyn saying lawn signs. I'm good with lawn signs. I'm a fan of lawn signs. Anything you can that gets the message out there that we will no longer put up with this tyranny. We will no longer be disillusioned that we actually have a vote that counts in our country or that our vote is actually going to 
to be even acknowledged because, you know, phone boy had said in the chat, you know, if they actually wanted your vote, they'd make sure it was you that was doing it. I don't disagree with that, especially with, I mean, here's the thing. In my recollection, it started all with the hanging chads down in Florida with that election. Then it became the whole stealing of elections. And we're just seeing it. It's getting deeper and deeper and people wake up. That's all I can say. Wake up and smell the shit they're shoveling because you're getting coated in it in a nice thick layer. Yeah, we've got, um, this is episode 13, which I have to kind of acknowledge that um, Friday the 13th is supposed to be a a divine feminine day. That's the day that we used to give to Freya. 13 is not. Episode 13. 13 is not an unlucky number. No, it's not. It's one of my favorite numbers. Um, because because it is the the, the sacred feminine. And that's I, my, that's I have something to woo-woo. tell you behind the mic, um, about yeah. when we do oh, okay. the nineteenth. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, oh, a a good um, a non expressly political billboard for repealing the nineteenth could be something such as one of those women from eighteen something. Picture of them says, "How's it going, ladies? Do our votes like count that. yet?" I like that. Uh, I like it. Um. Only because uh, another like, snarky one. If you think your hilarious. vote counts, remember the four years with Biden we just had. Or I mean, I guess we could run it back to like the hanging chads. How did hanging Chad go? Because um, that was that was my generation's introduction to elections. Yeah, we could absolutely was, go in so many different directions, and we'll definitely yeah. take uh, we'll take suggestions because I really think this needs to be done. If they can campaign Boy. for office, we can campaign to mm-hmm. say that. We think you're full of shit. Give the power back to the people. Yeah. Oh, okay. I can't wait to get to that part. All right. So the third wave of feminism was in the 90s. um, And that's when I was over the uh, Kimberly Crenshaw and her idea of intersectional feminism. Y'all. Ah, girl. I can't tell you how much bad stuff has come from intersectionality, but I can tell y'all, when you read it, when you read her little PDF, her 19-page diatribe of what uh, intersectionality is, um, it's lady brain at its finest. It's, it's, I have enough time to sit around with my lady brain and look around and figure out, uh, and I I can't, all right, I'm not going to be rude. I'm going to say that this woman sat around and did the similar thing that I'm doing where you run the tape back and you try to figure out where it, where it went, went wrong and adjust accordingly. Okay. Um, <laughs> but in doing that, I the idea that it got co-opted by the masses is where it went wrong. Because that just gave everybody free reign to play the intersectionality game. And by everybody, I mean corporations can do it now. Um, intersectionality is what gives us diversity, equity, and inclusion policies. Like it's, it's a big ball of twine that we should unwind at one at some time. But today is not that day. Uh, but the her paper was published in 1989, and it'll be in our our doc on the internet, so you can look at it. Um, the what do we've got? So the third wave of feminism brought us in intersectionality, and that brings us also in that third wave, the trans inclusion. Um, and that 
in the 90s is brought to us by, I believe it was Betty Friedan bending the knee in like 1972 to say, sure, lesbos, y'all could be in the feminist movement too, I guess. You don't have to be stuck with the gay men's and we'll we'll fight for you too. And I guess, you know, we need more bodies and numbers or whatever. But I think that um, that was a misstep. I think that that was a, a mistake that has brought us to um, the Mulvaney reality we live in today. Um, <clears throat> the 19th century feminist movement had its roots in the abolish, abolitionist movement. And again, that's where I said that women got whiny because the black people was about to have rights that they didn't have, even though you did have them. You, I mean, like voting back then didn't matter as much as it does today on the same. OK, it mattered more back then to be able to vote. So I can understand why they wanted that right. But I also understand that at the time they weren't the ones getting sent off to war. They weren't the ones working to pay the taxes that voting to increase or decrease. So it was a why do you need rights when you don't have any risk, when you're not putting any skin in the game? Okay. So, so get the World right War II changed that though, when women were putting yeah. skin in the game. And it was also a time when it was still an honor not a political career uh, and a college course, if you will, to serve your country, to be the president. It was an honor to serve. You Mm -hmm. weren't paid some exorbitant salary with a bunch of service, you know, secret service assholes running around behind you for the rest of your life till you fucking die. Oh, yeah. No, America was a much, much, um, much leaner machine. It was it was a whole lot before the whole anti-America thing, which we covered last week that started in the 50s and 60s. The rhetoric really cranked up. Back in the 1800s, you didn't have that. Because in the 1800s, you didn't have the same problems you had in the 60s, in the 90s, in the current times. The worst thing you had is black people were just coming out of slavery and they were just trying to, you know, be treated like human beings, which they deserve. And back then they weren't tuberculosis was pretty bad back then, too. Yeah, there were diseases that today they give you (laughs) a vaccine for that back then they didn't have. And the shit killed you. I mean, people were dying from the common damn cold and from, you know, cuts that got infected. I mean, bad water, man. You know how many people died of Giardia? Not Giardia, but like complications of funky well water back then. Lots of them. Yeah. Hello. Hello. Black plague. (laughs) That. Yeah. That was, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, the feminist movement runs on the coattails of a- abolitionist movements, right? But then, in that riding of those coattails, um, black women, <laughs> they got left behind. And they didn't get the right to vote until 65. Okay, I want to I bring up, while we were doing the research for this, there was a photo in one of the... Um, articles that you had provided being an empath I literally could feel the emotion and the thoughts in this photograph of 
two women. One is a woman of color, a light-skinned woman of color, but a woman of color nonetheless, and a white woman who's pushing a stroller. And the look on the white woman's face, the black woman is there to support her cause, which is the equality of women being able to vote and just be recognized as not, you know, second-class citizens. And this white broad with her little entitlement and her little, you know, foo-foo-foo hat that she has and her, you know, her stroller with her little offspring in it. And the look she is giving this woman who's, you know, the, the woman of color is smiling and this white woman is giving her these daggers like, how fucking dare you be on the same street as me? Like, I could feel the emotion in that photograph and it angered me. It made me so mad because for the entirety of my life, I have been the person who has questioned, why did we have segregation? Why were people so diggity dumb, to use one of your terms, to <laughs> not understand that it doesn't matter the pigment of your skin. It doesn't matter where your ancestors came from. We all bleed blood red. Does mm-hmm. not matter. And that's always bugged yeah, the shit so- out of me that people had this messed up thought that, oh, my God, if I sit on the same seat as a black person, if I drink out of the same water fountain as a black person, if one of my fucking kids sits next to a black kid, what? What the fuck you think you're going to catch? A suntan? Uh, that the mentality and we talked about that last week that like that mentality and thought process it, it is born of that's what you were told. That's what your lived experience gave you. Um, but mostly my look on the time that America had is segregated and that extreme hate that came from the white people back then um, towards the black people. Looking at it from a historical standpoint in an observer place, it very much seems like um, it's it's the same thing women folk did back in Seneca Falls. Like, how 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 are, how how do the black people get vote rights before we do? What about me? So when the I want to talk about Seneca Falls because I did pull a salt a small snippet about it. Because in case people aren't aware of what it was, the Roots of Seneca Falls Women's Rights Convention was the first women's rights convention in history. And it goes back to 1840 when Lucretia Mott and Elizabeth Cady Stanton, you heard us talking about those earlier, were attending the world's anti-slavery convention in London as delegates, um, as were their husbands. And back in that day, that's how it worked. Your husband went somewhere, you went somewhere for the most part. So on the first day of the Seneca Falls Convention, with, other, with over 300 people in attendance, the participants discussed women's rights. Forty of the participants at Seneca Falls were men, and the women quickly made the decision to allow them to participate fully, asking them only to be silent on the first day, which should have been meant to be exclusively for women. And now on the second day, James Mott, Lucretia's husband, presided. 10 of the 11 resolutions passed quickly. Now, the resolution on voting, however, saw more, saw more opposition and resistance. And Elizabeth Cady Stanton continued to defend that resolution, but its passage was in doubt until an ardent speech 
by formerly enslaved man and newspaper owner Frederick Douglass. Now, you anyone who has actually experienced uh, an American history class uh, pre circa everybody woke got fucking woke. Uh, I've heard of Frederick Douglass. He was in my history books. They talked extensively about him as a slave and what he did post-slavery. It was very impressive. So he actually spoke on the behalf of the right for women to vote in at Seneca Falls. And the closing of the second day included readings of Blackstone's commentaries on the status of women and speeches by several, including Douglass himself. And a resolution offered by Lucretia Mott passed unanimously. The speedy success of our cause depends upon the zealous and untiring efforts of both men and women for the overthrow of the monopoly of the pulpit and for securing to women of equal participation with men in the various trades, professions, and commerce. I think that's a very important statement, especially with what we are talking about today. Now, the debate about men's signatures on the document was resolved by permitting men to sign, but below the women's signatures. Real power move there. Of about the 300 people present, 100 of them signed the document. Amelia Bloomer was among those who did not. She had arrived late and had spent the day in the gallery because there weren't any seats left on the floor. And of the signatures, 68 were women and 32 were men. So it was almost a 50-50 split on that. 50-50 split on the married women and single women that were there, yeah. The, uh... No, no, no. The signatures of men to women was 50-50 almost. It wasn't about married or single. We got 68-32. And yeah. if the, if the only... men had a woman attached to him, he signed under her. Yeah. I mean, more. Than, so I mean, it's not exact. You know, doubled would have been 64. There. there were 68 rounding right, error. Right. Yeah. Well, and also, like, that was a... <laughs> Imagine today, ladies, boss babes. Going to your husband and being like, oh my God, babe, there's this rally in Seneca Falls. And I know that we're going to have to take a horse and it's going to take like four days to get there. But like, oh my God, we have to go to Seneca Falls to fight for my rights. Come with me, babe. I can't go without you. Um, uh, He ain't going. He just ain't going. And also. Oh no, I absolutely think this was 100%. What are you going to fight for, lady? You got it. You got it all. What do you mean? What do you need? What don't you have? What can I provide to you as a provider and protector that you don't have? I think but. I think this was a lot of the men were going, the women tagged along, and they kind of got recruited into the whole, don't you want to have rights? Don't you want to have a say? Don't you? Da, 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 da. I mean, this is how I see this going down I is a bunch of, you know, no, hen, hen clocking uh, while the men nobody. are conducting business. This well, and that's how it starts, right? Like the men. So back in that day, right? Like couples traveled together not only because, like, who doesn't want to be with their significant other, but like safety reasons, right? I can't rightly leave you at home in the cabin when there's bears, <laughs> or yeah, who's going to chop the wood to keep the fire dead, going to keep you alive. Some people could consider chivalry to be a little misogynistic, and I don't give a fuck. I still like when a man opens a door for me and uh, pulls out a chair. Yeah, those are those are polite things to do. Um, but it was it starts with the men talking men business and their spouses being left outside of it. And also, if anybody, 
It's men's business. Okay. It's men's work. Right. But so me sitting here kind of chuckling to myself right now in this moment is like I've been in organizations where like the fraternal order of the Eagles, for example, there's a men's side of it and there's a women's side of it. There's men's meetings that happen every Thursday. And if you're a member of the men's group, you go to their meetings. If you're an auxiliary member, you go to their meetings and their meetings are once a month and their job is community outreach and charity shit. Like that's all they do. They get you to give them their money to go give it to the poor people. Okay, now, knowing that, um, the men's side of it make all the business decisions. They decide what beers go on tap. They decide what pull tabs get brought in. They decide what bands get booked. They decide all that stuff. Also, if you're a woman sitting in the waiting room while your husband's in having a meeting, you know damn well on that fucking four-day ride, four ride home, he's gonna be telling you all the shit. And oh, you're gonna have is. a bunch of good ideas and a bunch of good feedback, and he's going to be like, you know what, Magdalene, that is a wonderful idea. I shall present it to the gentlemen's next we meet. And that happens for long enough that women get a little haughty and are like, well, if I have all the good ideas, I should be heard. I should have an opinion. I should have a seat at the table, and if you won't give it to me, I will make my own table. Well, you know, it's interesting and because here we are. That, that, actually, <laughs> that actually brings me... Uh, to a really solid fact in that um, that I can't remember now because my brain went nope reboot. <laughs> I it was something Where about the fact we? of the the women tagging. Oh, I know what it was. Yeah, um, I had once been given a beautiful piece of advice that I will officially impart to all of our wonderful connoisseurs this morning. When in a situation, the best way to be unassuming is to, um, what did he say it was? It's steal with your eyes, listen with your ears, and keep your mouth shut. It's the most effective way to find out everything and anything you need to know to be dangerous, basically. And I, Word. I kind of feel like that's exactly what these women were doing when their husbands were just yuck, 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 yuck about what went on. She's stealing with her eyes because she's seeing what's going on when she went with him to this situation. Mm -hmm. She's listening with her ears to all the stuff he's telling her, and she's in her mind compiling all this stuff up because we women are not dumb by any stretch of the imagination. And then also we have the feedback loop of the female circle, right? Like we used to get together and sit around and have tea or oh, hey, you come mean over, kind of I need like some help making the soup sheet. swap that occurred on the Lotus Effect stream where everybody yeah. got together, shared a soup recipe, men and women. We weren't uh we weren't discriminatory. We got some fantastic recipes that are posted at lotuseffect.show backslash recipes. And also, we played some music, all feminine, by the way. It was all women, not one male artist. It just kind of happened to go down that way. I headed down that road, and there we were. But that's exactly what I'm saying. We still have what are effectively known as stitch and bitch and other things where we bunch of women get around and we have our little hen cacklings. We talk about this. We talk about that. And shit gets done, ladies. Yeah. And that's I mean, that's that's what we're supposed to do when I say that repeal the 19th and women shouldn't be in politics. At best, we should be consultants is because our lady brain lends to nonsensical thinking. It just does. It just does. Are you, you saying you're not a Nikki really Haley care. supporter? No, I am not a Nimarata fucking Haley supporter. <laughs> Nimarata I'm sorry I couldn't can take resist. her ass back to the kitchen. 
Nimarata can shut the fuck up and sit down. Nimarata needs to not go by Nikki. Talk about whitewashing. Jeez. And then you want to play on your inter- intersectionality, but your name's Nikki, and then you'd be mad that nobody knows that you're intersectional. If you would have just gone by Nimarata, the name that your parents gave you, people would know about your intersectionality, and we wouldn't have to talk about it. Nope, not a this, fan of Nikki Haley. This is why I like the fuse, and I just let her burn, ladies and gentlemen, because I love her rants. She does. She's cackling over there. <laughs> she's just, she's just loving the show. Get my blood pressure up. Uh, <laughs> gotta wake you up on a Monday morning. Ooh, all right. We gotta get to the 1940s and the Rosie the Riveters. All right. Um, so, as four million young men were drafted to serve the U.S. troops in World War One, women took over many jobs traditionally to be held by men in the United States. The women's suffrage movement experienced a resurgence that dov- dovetailed with the growing anti-war movement at the same time. Uh, some 6 million women were recruited to work in military factories, producing munitions and other military goods. They were symbolized by the war departure or by the war department's Rosie the Riveter. When the war is over, it became clear that American women could work just as hard and effectively as American men. And the second wave of American feminism was born. Okay. Remember how I said not that long ago that they went from having half of the workforce to uh, or half of the population has a workforce. Now they got the whole population as a workforce. And they said, oh, we like that. That was good. Our profit margins was up. Uh, and that's between World War One and World War Two, right? Like we've got anti-war sentiments. The workforce is comprised of both men and women since World War One, due to necessity. So from like, what, what was that? 1932, 1933 or whatever. It's Two incomes per house is the run in assumption in America. I, I just want to point out, I find it really well, interesting that we still that use, I we still use Rosie the Riveter to this very day to symbolize women's power and women's strength. And it's actually been something that the lesbian population has adopted as kind of a Mm -hmm. visual representation of their cause as well, which actually crosses over, which we will hear about uh, a little bit go. I think I put it in the script that um, there was, let let me look so I don't sound like an idiot, but there was a woman who, when she first started, the one thing she was not about was there was no way she was going to allow women, uh, lesbians to be allowed in an actor actually called it the lavender um that was yeah that was a uh, free dan betty free dan that was who i was riffing about earlier yes. who's who was anti-lesbians in the feminist movement because it took away from the actual goals of feminism it distracted it and then i think it was in like 1972 she said all right fine i guess yeah y'all have yeah, beat she, me down long enough she changed her stance and actually uh the what it was it now or whatever is her organization mm-hmm. they are actually one of the leading uh lesbian led ljbiquita right yeah um yeah. i'll have to, i'll have to try to find it but she called it like the lesbian um problem or not no the the lavender effect or something like that yeah la- uh lesbianism is to feminism as lavender is to purple right that was uh, i believe that's how it went um, it, when she finally turned the the corner to say, "Okay, lesbos, you could be here," 
um, it was it that was the rationalization she provided to everybody else and to herself was that um, their rights are just as much a part of it because lavender is a color of the purple family. I don't know. It was it was it's an interesting um, knee bending that I personally don't happened, but I think that they should have. I mean, okay. It should have happened, but differently. It should have gone down more of a, hey, you don't have to join us. Just take our note. Copy what we've done so far. You run, right? Like, take our take our shit, steal it, run with it. It works, sort of, kind of, a little half-assy, but whatever. You'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. Um, but that didn't happen. They just said, all right, come, fine, come ride my coattails. Um, so this, the second wave of American so feminism So are you saying that starts, you're not about the whole we women need to stick together no matter what our you know backgrounds and experiences because we all bring something different to the table i mean that's how i see it i mean truly as as a former lgbtqia member um i think that it should personally i think it should have been more about you are a woman too not about you keep company Nobody with the women or whatever you weren't a woman well okay so that that's where i think that it gets a little it gets too into the intersectionality and that's really like where it fucking gets fucked up is because um first and foremost my opinion not a doctor not a professional the gaiety is a trauma response okay and by that i mean that you you've experienced addressed that a trauma yeah yeah you've experienced a trauma and you say never again and in doing so never again means now the same sex I, i'm attracted to that because opposite sex hurt me so did whatever okay so with that mindset okay but what about the women who from, and i do know a woman who from the time she was born knew i'm never going to get married i'm never going to have children and i like women there was no there was no sexual trauma there that snapped into her brain that never again i don't want to be hurt by a man so i'm just going to be with a woman okay what was the representation of uh, heterosexual womanhood at the time? Was the representation, um, you got to marry she a was, man who probably isn't going to treat you well. And then you also have to go to work for the man that's probably not going to treat you well. And then you also have to provide children to this man who ain't going to treat you well. And then you die alone because nobody treats you well. If that was the image of womanhood, then I would uh, probably just want to be with my gal pals and my own business. Not breed, not be around these men folk. So, she was born just a, at the very uh, beginning of the 60s, so I really can't yeah. deeply explain uh, the answers to your question that you asked. Well, but um, yeah, and that, I and, mean, I suspect there could again, be something not, to that. I'm not discounting your your not, thing. Yeah, and I my theory is not a shit on the gaiety. It's a that's how you survive. That is fine with me. However. It would probably be a little helpful if you acknowledge it's a survival tactic and then you could really start living your life and not be so bothered about the issues that come from being a gay. Like that wouldn't bother you if you were whole other places. So ultimately, my thought on it of why it shouldn't have been co-opted is because it really does muddy the water. It really does detract from it's no longer women mothers wives in the workplace deserve the same respect that you would give to your mother or your wife it's it's now a you have to respect me because of not only am i a woman but i'm also a lesbian woman so that gives me more rights 
And that is outlined in The Tyranny of Tolerance, which is a book written by a former federal judge who outlines how over time the idea of protected classes gets so big that everybody but white people's <laughs> ultimately ultimately except for the gay whites gay whites are protected just regular whites not so much yeah, um, we're the minority now we know this and that's ultimately what it ha- what it, it's a you are presenting yourself as more e- or more equal to other people because of your differences you're presenting as more equal than because of your differences which that's where it kind of all gets fucked up for me. And back in the day when these people were fighting for these rights and uh, what was it? Uh, the bar thing, Stone, Stonewall, when Stonewall happened. Like, yes, that was that was blacks and the gays in the same place at the same time dealing with some shit because they was blacks there and they was gays there. And God forbid you was blacks gays there. That was rough. But the idea of the, the, you're, it's like compounding negatives, right? Like if the, if the status quo back then would have been to been a, a hetero white, anything against that, like that, you're going to be treated differently. So uh, feminism is not the same as lesbianism is not the same as woman's rights. Like it's, they're all different. The only connecting theme up until now has been uterus and an ovaries. Like that's that's just been the running theme of feminism is if you have a uterus and ovaries, you're gonna be treated differently. So you gotta fight to be treated the same. Which no. We we we're supposed to be treated differently. I dare I say better than. But here we are whining about what we don't have and what what's changed? What's gotten better? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> It's it's a perspective issue. It really is because, as I've said a hundred times, when you change your outlook, you change your life. Stop focusing on like. Okay, I'll give a personal story. Uh, next week, the reason um, that I'm learning how to run the stream is because next week, Phone Boy will not be here. I will be all by my lonesome to to do this show with Miss Emily. I will not have a safety net. I will literally be on the high wire, hoping not to go splat. Or bust my nuts, as they say. But um, he and I were having a conversation about gratitude. And I was crying about the fact that I have to give him up for a week. And then in a few more weeks after that, I have to give him up again for a week. And I stopped and I thought about it. I'm like, you know what? I'm being a real selfish individual. Because when I think about the fact there are military wives who give their husbands up for months, sometimes years at a time. And, you know. They have to stand up and trudge on. I only have to give him up for a week. I realized <laughs> how completely out of pocket I was being. And that, you know, it was like, it, it's only a week. Like, you know, grow TFO. It's it's just done. So I just, I wanted to. I'm glad that you came to that realization. I was waiting for it. I knew that you'd get there. And I was trying not to be hard on you, and I may have been a little hard one time, but I was like, no, girl, you're going to understand that it's just a week, and he is coming back, and you got cell phones and FaceTimes, and like, it ain't even going to be like he's gone. You'll be all right. 
And and I know I have plenty of friends <laughs> who, if I need to lean on them for support during the time, you know, because I'm I'm ostensibly going to be doing about three shows all by myself by by the end of this, yeah. and it's it's really scary. Yep. Like I I can't even pretend I'm not really <laughs> unknown territory. It is. It really is, and I don't want to screw anything up because if I screwed something up. On our stream, it literally could be to a catastrophic point where we have no music for a week in the off hours because I hit a wrong button or something. And yeah, I'm sure that from, you know, way over in Dick's Lamb land, they can, uh, you know, he can call me and it might be early in the morning. Walk you through it. Yeah. But irrelevant to the fact, I don't want to screw anything up. And that's why this morning's not hitting the record buttons and everything was like, oh, that's like a crucial thing. I can't not hit the record button. Then then there, how's there any proof that I did a thing? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and by the way, I did actually no get feedback in real time from that friend I talked about. Oh, and the thing was that it was not trauma. It was health, family, mom and dad. That was the reason behind doing what she did. So kudos to her. I'm not calling her out on the show. She knows who she is. She knows a lover. And we've been friends for way long time. And yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, I'm a staunch proponent of all of these LGBTQ LMNOP individuals out there. And the reason I say it like that is everybody, all, all, all of these newbies that think that this is some new great movement that they are leading by being non-binary or, you know, trans or even just gay and lesbian, okay? They think they're 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 leading some great movement like um Come here, newbie. Let me tell you something. Back in the day, there's this thing called Stonewall, which made it possible for your little fucked up brain to be walking around with your dick hanging out in a gay pride parade. Uh, The fact that gay pride parade is even able to go on. The fact you can kiss your boyfriend in public. The fact you have the nerve to sit there and have a pronoun like they fucking them. Or do you have multiple personalities? Because there's pretty much two genders as far as where I sit. You have a pole or you have a hole, and that's how I stand. I said what I said. That being said, you forget where you where came from. It. You are bound to make the same mistakes. And when you don't realize, you don't want to hear from the elders. Well, the elders are the ones who stand up and took the beating at Stonewall. They're the ones who said, no more. We will be heard. We will be seen. So don't forget the people who paved the way for you to walk your little ruby slippers on that path. Cupcake. I said what I said. And then the other part of it is where I refer to things as the college kid with a label maker. Like back in the day, uh, people used to be androgynous or non-binary or spinsters. Or, but they didn't make you know a I mean? fucking like it was, announcement always, about it. They didn't have a, a name tag and get their well, ass because they was busy not. keeping... They were busy keeping fires going so nobody got cold and you could make food and they were busy trying not to die from a bear or from, oh, from you know, some damn like, tuberculosis or some bad well water. Like, it was yeah, different. Yeah, so basically what you mean problems. is they actually had fucking priorities and shit that didn't involve yeah. being the look at me, right. you misgendered yep. me. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm they sorry. Were too, nah. They were too worried about surviving the day to contemplate on how was today? How did I feel? Like... And to some extent, that's where uh, some of us 
have gone wrong is that we discount the people who feel the things, but also like not all of your feelings are good. Not all of your thoughts are genius ones. Um, the different voices you hear in your head, like you might be a crazy person or you might just be having thoughts. Wild. I know. Crazy. Um, and the specifically the, the multiple personality disorder thing like that's that's a whole package to unpack because the people who really have it, um, you, you know, and then the people who pretend to have it, you, you know, yeah. um, and I think more people have just leaned into pretending because, again, they just want to be seen and validated and oh, my God, look at me, I exist. Uh, because the world is too big for most people. The world is in their fucking phone. It's on the internet. They stay in their dark bedroom, eat their fucking garbage cereal and ramen noodles, and then wonder why they feel like a sack of shit at the end of the day and useless and not worth any. Well, well, garbage plus garbage equals garbage. Yes. Um, back to this feminist. I was going to say, speaking uh, of garbage, let's talk about right. Rep. Shirley Chisholm from a Democrat from New York who was not the first woman to run for the nomination of U.S. president with a majority party. That was Senator Margaret Chase Smith, who was a Republican from rain, from, from rain. More coffee, please. A Republican from Maine in 1964. But Chisholm was the first to make a serious hard run. Her candidacy provided an opportunity for the women's liberation movement to organize around the first major party radical feminist candidate for the nation's highest office. And Chisholm's campaign slogan was unbought and unbossed. It was more it was more than a motto. She alienated herself with her radical visions of a more just society. And she also befriended infamous segregationist George Wallace. He was a, I believe he either was or ran for governor in Alacracker, Bama back in the day. And that was while he was in the hospital after being wounded by a would-be assassin in his own run for president against her in the Democratic primaries. I find that interesting that she befriended, I guess, keep your enemies close and your friends closer. Or uh, your friends close and your enemies closer, I should say. And uh, she was completely committed to her core values. And she didn't care who she pissed off. So, I mean, I'm not really sure if uh, it was one of those kudos. Oh, I will mention why this was so odd that she befriended segregationist. She was a woman of color. Yeah, uh, Shirley Chisholm had a, a long history in politics. Uh, she was uh, representative for New York. She did some stuff with the Education Board. Um, she, I don't know, she, she served a long time. She, she, she did it. She was definitely committed. Um, in, in the, okay, so there's a, uh, I got like a TV show. It's called Miss America ms america yes or I mrs america yeah um and it's that, mrs yeah that tv show covers the the 60s feminist shirley chisholm running her getting into um into her elected position and it also it covers the other ladies that are involved in that um uh, Betty Friedan's represented in there. Gloria Steinem's represented. Um, uh, Phyllis Schlafly is represented. In my opinion, it's the 
it's a good representation of the information that's available to us. Uh, I think that they did a decent job with it. And it's worth watching just to kind of understand and like put yourself in the time to get the the vibe, check the temperature of it. Um, that it's worth watching because I think Shirley Chisholm has like, she's got one of her own episodes in that. And also she's in the whole series. So it's anyone who's confused about it or would like to learn more about it. Watch the TV show. You're welcome. Um, I think we through, need to. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to go to the uh, in the third wave. Yeah, I was literally going to say. I think we need to also talk this. This is more in our you know finger quotes generation between you and I because I mean right. and me is, being born mid seventies, you being born you know ninety. Yeah, thanks. Made me feel old, my nice. friend. It's okay. It's okay. But I'll, I'll let you place. take the third wave. Uh, and so it's come, it's coming in these waves, right? And these waves are between 40, 30 to 50 years, right? That's a generation that's you were born and now you're a whole grown up and people will take you seriously. So by the nineties, we've got Gen Xers who were born in the sixties and seventies in the developed world came of age in the media saturated and culturally and economically diverse milieu. Although they benefited significantly from the legal rights and protections that had been obtained by first and second wave feminists, they also critiqued the positions and what they felt was unfinished work of the second wave. These women and others like them grew up with the expectations of achievement and examples of female success, as well as an awareness of the barriers presented by sexism, racism, and classism. They chose to battle such obstacles by inverting sexist, racist, and classist symbols, fighting patriarchy with irony, answering violence with stories of survival, and combating continued exclusion with grassroots activism and radical democracy. Rather than becoming part of the machine, third waivers began both sabotaging and rebuilding the machine itself. In expressing their concerns, third-wave feminists actively subverted, co-opted, and played on seemingly sexist images and symbols. This was evident in the double entendre and irony of the language commonly adopted by people in their self-presentations. The third wave was much more inclusive of women and girls of color than the first or second waves had been in reaction and opposition to stereotypical images of women as passive, weak, virginal and faithful or alternatively as domineering demeaning uh, or dominating demanding slutty and emasculating the third wave redefined women as women and girls as assertive powerful and in control of their own sexuality pardon me first i need to get my foremost. barf bucket right first and fucking foremost in the 1990s why do we have to bring the little girls up in it why does that matter ladies fucking stupid death self-sacrificing hooers well here's the throwing thing. out these uh, babies to be sexualized and shit in the 90s now we're here in 2024 and fucking 18 year olds are selling their buttholes on goddamn only fans but blame the men right no feminist pulled the curtain back and said oh don't forget about the little girls huh. but anyways in my opinion well, and the, the third wave was actually led by a prominent member of the second wave. It, did you know that? The, the, like, one of the women that was instrumental in the second wave of feminism is actually the mother of one of the women who kind of kicked... Diana? Actually, she was the one... The girl oh, who wait, no, yeah, that, coined her name? Uh, the term third wave. Or not third wave. Um, what the hell was that term? God, I feel like an idiot. 
there's actually a specific term that was coined. Let me find it while you uh, while you talk about it. Okay. Um, yeah the the nineteen nine so in the nineties when this third wave kicks off, you also still have those second wave feminists who went to college, got their degrees, climbed that corporate ladder, and now they're in positions of power and management, getting into retirement age or at least starting to entertain the idea of training a replacement or, you know, taking on a mentee to get them capable of taking it over. Uh, so in the 90s, their efforts are to tie up all the loose ends of the 60s. And that doesn't exactly work out that way because open the door to to gays and transes and uh pretty much anybody who feels like a lady you're welcome in the feminist movement and it starts to completely fall apart but only on a ideological standpoint it can't fall apart because there's too many people with the ideology in their brains in positions of power so we have these assertive powerful and in control of their own sexuality ladies in the 90s coming into corporate america demanding equal pay for equal work, still uh, having kids and still having doctor's appointments and having to take time off. And then they get mad that they're not getting the equal pay. So then that brings us to like what, early 2000s when Milo Yiannopoulos is out here trying to argue the fact that equal pay for equal work is actually bullshit and it doesn't actually exist. And there really isn't a disparity because women don't actually work as much as men do. So that's really what the issue is. But we don't want to talk about that. Um, okay, it was Rebecca the, Walker who was the mixed race daughter of second wave leader Alice Walker Alice that Walker, yeah. announced feminism's third wave in 92. And it was while watching Anita Hill testify before the Senate Judiciary Committee about her accusations of sexual harassment against Clarence Thomas, who was a Supreme Court nominee at the time. And it actually was dubbed the year of the woman and saw an unprecedented number of women mm. elected to Congress. So, of course, the government, yes. you know, they're, they're all about the, oh, we got to prove that, you know, we're we're on board with this whole thing. And that's that's where the. Uh, all right, I got to say it. That's where the idea of democracy really got its fucking claws in was in that time between uh the second and third wave that idea of democracy that's when it really like started to proliferate throughout and that's how we got to 1992 where a bunch of women are elected because we contribute democracy equal 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 contribution from the from the people uh, men and women well okay but also no, <laughs> no, we're, we're not a democracy. We're a constitutional republic. And you can't have the two living within each other. No, they do and not make good, uh, good roommates or bedfellows for sure. Yeah, so the democracy that's at risk. Democracy's at risk. That's feminism. It's, it's a feminist construct. Um it's a fucking pick me shit like that, that that's just all it is democracy is pick me shit it's actually funny that um 
you mentioned pick me because there have actually been four waves of feminism so far and it's been argued that it's a continuation of the third wave the emergence of the internet has certainly led to a new brand of social media fueled activism and in 2007 tarana burke launched the hashtag me too movement which took off in 2017 in the wake of revelations about the sexual misconduct of Weinstein. And and in addition to holding powerful men accountable for their actions, it has turned their attention to the systems that allow such misconduct to occur. Like the, like their predecessors, you know, they continue to grapple with the concept of intersexuality or I'm sorry, intersectionality. I think uh, we know where my head's at this morning. Predecessors, meaning since 1989. Yeah, exactly. They're they're not digging back into the Steinems. Right. And that's another thing that pisses me off is people are only going back so far because, you know, Mm -hmm. we're having that whole rewrite of history. Again, these 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 little pussy hat wearing feminists with their big eyeballs bulging out and clutching their imaginary pearls, they forget about the Gloria Steinems. They forget about the Alice Walkers. And well, and go ahead. They've also been presented a replacement, right? Like you don't, as much as the feminists today um, hold on to their history, you're holding on to the history that works for you today to meet the ends that you want, right? Like, it's if you went all the way back, you'd humble your fucking self and be like, oh, shit, son, feminism only came about because the blacks were going to get rights? Hold on. <laughs> Let me gag. Let me cancel white women for y'all. Like, that, it's silly, But no, they're going to be out there toting the fucking intersectionality line, playing the game of the the this this cycle. The 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 theme of this cycle is intersectionality. How many victim points can you get? Can you win the victim Olympics? No, nobody wins the victim Olympics. You're still a fucking victim. And you're still fucking broke and you're still fucking sad and you're still living off of the government or the corporate uh, holder that you have that you've chosen. You're not living your own life, making your own choices. Like it's a girl. The, don't the, don't even get me spun up into the whole reparations conversation and how I have seen so many white people fucking apologize for being white to people of color. Like, stop it. Just stop it. It is so disgusting the way it has just turned upside down. The whole George Floyd thing well, was a big I mean people from we could we could literally timeline this shit out for all the way back to that oh my god, blacks were gonna have rights before we women did. We absolutely cannot stand for this because they are second or third class citizens. How dare they have something we don't have yeah and that's ultimately like that's what it boils down to is lady brain lady brain logic gets upset and rejected throws a fucking fit and 104 years later nothing's changed or actually it's longer than that 1848 uh that's almost 200 like 170 years later ain't yeah. changed you're 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 creeping you know to almost 200 years worth of 
spinning in circles, chasing our tails, crying and whining, being stressed out, fucking being not being able to raise our children to, to be by the established members, the mm-hmm. the illusion of freedom, the illusion of rights, the illusion of anything. Not a gu- I don't give a fuck. I don't give a figgity fuck. In fact, okay. People sit there and give me shit because, oh, you're a government bootlicker or whatever. No, I'm not. Okay, I, I wholly believe in our Constitution. I wholly believe in the Declaration of Independence. I wholly believe in the fact that we should be a people who are able to govern ourselves without Big Daddy, without Big Brother, sticking their corrupt dick in everybody's asshole. That's my personal opinion on things. And honestly, if we could, as a people, get our shit together... Things would change, but I don't see that happening now and I don't see it happening anytime in the future because you truly can't get enough people moving in the same direction at the same time. I'm amazed that feminism well, no, because they fractionate. Yeah, I'm amazed feminism because, because has made as much of an impact as it has. And unfortunately, no, I think it's, it's made an overreach. It. It's absolutely shot past its target when we, like I mentioned before, when we have the people out there screaming with their big eyeballs and the pussy hats and everything mm-hmm. like that. And we've got the Me Too movement and women want equal everything. Now, I'll tell you personal story. Y'all know for 14 years, I drove an 18 wheeler. That is a very male dominated profession by all rights mm-hmm. and responsibilities. And I've uh, I've out of my own mouth. I have said I had to work twice as hard to prove I was half as good. That's the that's yeah. what they say out there when you drive a truck as a woman. My but one thing my that first job was. My first job was Coburn Supply Company out of East Texas in Louisiana, and we sold plumbing and air conditioning supplies. I was 13 years old working in a fucking warehouse, unloading trucks, pulling pipe, like moving air conditioners, moving water heaters. And yeah, I was physically capable of doing the job, but did... Doesn't mean your ass should have been doing it as a woman, though. Well, I was capable of doing it. And my grandpa, his, like, the same one who said that doctors slap the babies and knock the dicks off the dumb ones said girl is no excuse and that's the the what i have inside of me is being a woman is no excuse so no i agree i am capable if anyone thought i was disagreeing i I wasn't saying you should not have had that job no i'm saying but i also know in the feminist world built like that yeah in the feminist world you should be you should have the right to have that job but not have to have that job because that's men's work the same thing as driving a truck but the where i was going with that is the fact that it used to make me so crazy to see these, and I'll call them, bitches out there who are literally only doing this job because they're looking for a man. They're the ones who are out there going, "Ah, I can't open my hood. Oh, my God, could you help me? I'm just a little old girl. Bitch, put your heels away. Take that fucking dress off. Put some damn work boots on, a pair of jeans, and do that job like you was meant to do that job. Stop acting like you some fucking little dainty doo-doo out here. No. If you can't do the job, get the fuck up off the truck. And I mean that in any job out there, ladies. Stop thinking you need to be as good as a man, but you can't get it done. If you can't deliver, do not pick the package up. That's all I'm saying. I agree with that. Uh, I also... I also know that women for too long have... Uh, let's say benefited 
because we really haven't, but we'll just call it benefited, have benefited from the pseudo independence that working gives them. Um, you're, you're not really free and independent if you gotta have a schedule and if you're held to somebody else's expectations of you. So you're just being compensated for it. And that's our screwed up, um, I guess, financial views. Like what we see is valuable. What we use is currency. Um, but this is where knowing your value comes in. Come Right. And that's, that's, that's ultimately the issue is that for whatever reason, our lady brains get damaged and we decide that we are worth pause less pause worth less than other people. And a side effect of that is not asking for the raise when you deserve one, not saying I'm not the type of lady that you're going to hire and have to worry about me calling a service guy every fucking time my light comes on. I'll know to put air in my tires. I'll know to open the hood and check my levels. Pay me $29.95 a fucking hour, just like you about to pay Billy Bob $29.95 an hour. Please and thank you. If I'm not worth it, you could fire me. That's fine. You could fire me. I give a fuck. I'll go find another job. But we don't do that. We say, oh my God, I'm so grateful to have this opportunity. Let me take these pennies and, and I'm, I'm happy. No. That, you are 100%. That is spot on what a lot of people do. They don't know their worth. And they're not brave enough to walk into that boss's office and take their own proverbial dick and smack him across his face with it and say, look here, Bubba. You ain't paying me what I'm worth. These are my numbers. I come in every goddamn weekend. I've given you more of my life than I've given to my family. And you want to pay me half Mm -hmm. what the fuck you're paying Billy Bob over there? You can suck a big one. You can either pay me what I'm worth or you can have my resignation effective immediately. Do not pass go. Mm -hmm. Full stop. Yep. Because there is somebody out there that is going to pay me what I am worth for my X number of years for my unwavering devotion to my job i don't call out sick somebody i don't do this i don't do that i'm the one you call when people do call out and you want to pay me less you you got me fucked up and they're every okay i've had quite a few jobs in my day um and (laughs) all of my female managers boy do they silently suffer they don't get paid what they should these women that I've worked with have been with these companies fucking 10, 20 years. They've been with these companies longer than they've been married because they've been at that job so much they ain't had time to keep a man. And they're making less than people who get hired today because minimum wage has gone up, and yet they still keep showing up. They still keep fucking towing that company line, believing that they're going to have some sort of retirement, believing that the company's not going to sell out to fucking Albertsons or Safeway and they're going to lose all that time in because new companies don't honor old companies' fucking retirements and 401s and pensions. All that shit goes away. And you have generation after generation of women listening to the lie, eating the apple, and having a rough fucking go at it. And ladies, hello. It ain't gonna be. It ain't gonna be that hard. It doesn't have to be. All we have to do is say, "Hey, that's a bunch of bullshit. I don't want to play that game anymore. That's a real good game for y'all to play, but I don't want to play it. The feminist game? No, thank you. I'm. I'm a woman. I'm a lady. I'm a mom. I'm a wife, and you'll respect me as a fellow human being. Um, 
because if we don't just get back to the uh, respecting people as human beings part, it's going to keep getting nonsensier. It's going to get to the point where nobody has rights. <laughs> There's not going to be some uh, uh, person of color who is gay and has a chemistry degree and also has uh below poverty like you're not going to get the 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 victim deck is pretty big so imagine if it's pokemons right we're trying to catch them all you ain't gonna catch them all you are not going to catch all of the the spots of inter intersectionality where people can manipulate the systems in place to further uh further benefit just nonsense policies and practices that serve nobody we've got almost 200 years of evidence of it proving or of it, of these thought processes serving nobody it got our fathers husbands uncles sent off to war to die it got uh, us put in a workforce that doesn't respect us doesn't pay us enough doesn't afford us the opportunities that we deserve and i i don't know it's a, it seems like a, a a pointless thought exercise that should have never made it out of a parlor it should have never gone pen to paper and it definitely shouldn't have been legislated but here we are and it is so hey well if you, you know. have anything you would like to say please call and chime in chime in phone lines are open I'd love to hear from you. That's right. Two five three two three seven three three two one. I I know there's there's heads lighting on fire this morning as we're pounding our fists on desks and screaming for the equality of you know pay equal work. Um, I know you have a take on this about the fact that you may not feel women deserve the same amount of pay merely because they are not as reliable in so much as oh my kid is sick oh, yeah. oh i'm on my monthly so, yeah so my my understanding my lived experience the the equal pay for equal work in action if you will um i have known a lot of men and a lot of women in my working life and um, I have never met a man who's on FMLA. I have, however, met a lot of women who go on FMLA. And for those of you who don't know what FMLA is, that is the Family Medical Leave Act. That means that you have some sort of a medical issue that your employer cannot fire you for. That means that all you have to do is say FMLA and you are out. You don't have to expose it to them. Um, okay, so that's cool. That's a cool thing for people who have sick kids and or are a sick person who need that opportunity. However... You can get FMLA for being sick. You can get FMLA for having to be a period. Um, and also, another thing I've learned in my lived experience in the working force is um, if you have a boss and you are a female, all you got to say is, it's that time of the month, and he gets the heebie-jeebies and runs away the other direction. Oh, God, I don't want to hear about it. Or you just got to be like, oh, my God, my flow is crazy. <laughs> nope. No, thank you, ma'am. Good day. Or, you know, you're a mother and you have a child who got sick at school. You got to leave work to go get that baby. And also, um, fun fact for any of y'all who uh, struggle with childcare or whatever, um, you can call out to work because you don't have childcare and your boss can't fire you. Um, it's illegal for them to expect you to come to your place of work and leave a minor unattended. My question is, um, is that so, for women and men or is that exclusively to women? 
it's for parents. Anybody who has a minor in their care can say, I do not have childcare or school's out today. It's a snow day or, uh, hey, I know I'm scheduled to come in at three o'clock, but I just got a call from my son's school and he's throwing up everywhere. I got to go get him and I'm not going to be able to come in today. I'm sorry. My kid is sick. They can't fire you. So, so I don't abuse question. it. Don't be fucking a dumb bitch out here. Dumb bitching. But also right. don't don't sell the wellness and health of your family for whatever the fuck you're getting an hour is just the point i'm trying to make and and Um, it's a really valid point my question though is on that theory of you know yes every you know 28 days women lose their shit and just can't fucking function and need a day of staying in bed we're actually four different people a month but well yeah just once every 28 days you know what i'm saying though Okay. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is this, with the society we currently live in, we have men who are single parents who are raising their child because mom's a, you know, a crack whore who's Drug on her third yeah. bid in, you know, county or whatever. You know, right. y- you have maybe, I mean, on on the on a less shitty side, maybe you have mom has passed away, you know, car accident or, you know, right. fuck cancer. Happen, yeah. You've got a lot of Different scenarios in which dad could be the only parent. So I don't know if mm-hmm. it's so, um, I don't know if it's so much applicable, to be honest, that, well, women are so unreliable because they have to take care of the kids and they have to bleed once a month and blah, 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 blah. Um, and especially now with the fact that you don't know if the person who you're hiring was born with a pole or a hole. And uh, even pregnancy has nothing to do with it because, like I said, I had the uh, I had the transgender person in my car who was pregnant uh, and was identifies as a he him. So, I mean, you just don't know anymore. And I just I don't know if it's really applicable to say that it's all the women's who are unreliable because we have to take care of the childers and stuff while the men go to war. Well, no, we're we're on the front line nowadays, too. It's what we wanted. It's what this whole feminist thing brought us is the ability to say, I want to take up a weapon and go bang, bang against the bad guys. Yeah, we have that now. There are women on the front line. And same thing with the workforce. You know, there are moms who are making cake stacks and dad is staying home playing Michael Keaton. You know what I'm saying? It's the the whole, you know, the whole society has has changed and turned around. And, you know, the democracy, finger quotes, say what? I said, is it better in this turned around weird world we're in now? I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying that, like, feminism is the root of a lot of what the fuck is going on. You know, this democracy thing we hear about today, it's a product of feminism. You know, the the suffrage co-opted the free Negro initiative in the 1800s when blacks were up for acknowledgement. The non-Negro women said, what about our rights? And even the even to the lengths of black women getting involved in having a fight alongside women as doubly oppressed individuals. You know, you were black and you were a woman. You, you were double dog fucked. And throughout the 60s, the radical the movement first overshadowed two victim cards of the deck. How's that? The first two victim cards of the deck. Exactly. Woman and black. <laughs> yeah, the, the deck is stacked against you if, if you're black and you're a woman back in the 60s for sure. 
And the radical movement overshadowed the feminist movement due to the feminist second wave aligning for a third and the darker wave of the 90s that brought individuals like Kimberly Crenshaw, the demoralization or sorry, demoralizing the intersection of race and sex, which is a black feminist critique of any discrimination doctrine. She's a feminist and the <laughs> that's an obvious statement, but, you know, feminist theory and anti-racist politics that was that's the that's her stance. That's that's what she's about. That's her doctrine on such things. And at this point, feminism has been opened to not only women, but to anyone who feel that they're in the at the intersection of less than again, the whole me too, the whole I, you know, I was born a man, but I I, I just feel like a woman inside. <sighs> So I'm going to go get boobs and have my penis inverted. And then you're going to call me Jane and God help you. If you misgender me, I will, I will deplatform you and I will shame you and I will sue you. And uh, where's, yeah, we, now that we need a now sound effect for vomiting us. on this show. Oh, oh word. We do. It's a good, uh, um, <laughs> uh, <coughs> Excuse me. Um, eventually, I would like us to look at uh, Kimberly Crenshaw's document, the, the marginalizing and intersection of race and sex, um, only because it would give us a better understanding of the diversity, equity, inclusion lines of intersectionality that we're all kind of kind of having to deal with right now. Um but again, this is just generation after generation of women allowing our silly little lady brain to get the best of us. And I don't say that in a demeaning way because I fucking love my silly little lady brain. It is wonderful. It is fucking hella creative and it will connect dots that don't even connect. But that's kind of our down is the fact that we take in all of the outside information, run it through our own lens of understanding and lived experience. And then based on those things, we come up with what we think are great, wonderful solutions. I suggest that those great, wonderful solutions that you, the individual come up with are for you. They're just your special, you specific, me, Emily. Those are my thoughts and how I should handle the situation. Now, if it works out for me and it turns out to be pretty decent, then then I take the second to say, hey, Phoenix, have you ever thought about maybe if we repeal the 19th? Because I've been thinking about it for a little bit and I just want to. So most of it is <laughs> the delusion that uh, semi delusion that what we think women, what we think is the that's the solution. Right. Because we've sort of kind of been put in this second fiddle sidekick place as a woman in as a hominid as a woman right like man is superior to woman only because they were made first whatever um but it's it's the what we come up with women come up with is supposed to benefit us first and foremost and then because it benefits us it benefits our children and because it benefits our children and us, it benefits society as a whole. <laughs> so 
So if we're not doing things that are good for us, the individual, me, Emily, the human, then we're not able to do what's best for the people that surround us. So I'm just here to say that if you being a feminist makes you upset and bothers you and points out all the ways that life's unfair to you, maybe you shouldn't be a feminist anymore. It might just be easier. It might just be easier to not be a feminist anymore and be like, oh my gosh, life's good for me. I could go get any job I wanted that I'm qualified to get. If I ask for a pay, the worst thing that they could say is no. And then I'm going to be like, yeah. And then the negotiations start. Um, it, it, it gives you your power back. Ultimately, you're in control of your own life. You are the only person who captains your ship. You're the only person that has to deal with you day in and day out. Let's not let other people decide how you individual live your life well let me ask you a question what's your because um and we touched on it uh, a little bit earlier the fact when i was giving you a hard time about uh you know the the whole uh nikki haley thing what is your Mm -hmm. actual opinion with the you know you being ms repeal the 19th what is your thoughts on Mm -hmm. a woman actually running for and possibly becoming the, the leader of the free world, and I use that term hella That's loosely how, with the joke that the White House has become since the diaper bag has been in office. So, in my opinion, if a woman ever becomes president, that's how we know it's the beginning of the end. That is the, oh, shit's getting real. Shit's getting real. Only because, I said it a minute ago, we are four different people a month. <laughs> Whether you want to admit it or not, whether you're aware of it or not, if you pay attention to yourself and if you ask those near to you, you're fucking four different people a month. And that's backed by science based on your hormones. Fight me. Um, I, 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 no, 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 no woman president. Now, don't get me wrong. I was team Mama Joe or don't go. But then she said some dumb shit about having to be anti-meeting. And I was like, God damn it, Joe Jorgensen. Why'd you have to drink the Kool-Aid? Um, Eventually, it seems like they really all do. It, and that's... Uh, listen. Listen, ladies. Listen, ladies. We could be beat down and badgered and suggested into doing just about anything. You could wear us down and get us from a no to a yeah. If you tried. That's our downfall. Um, men are similar, however, they got that man, I'm not going to be told what to do, testosterone running through their bodies, and they're a little bit harder to manipulate, so, um, we can't, we, we can't hold positions of power like president, we shouldn't hold positions of power like Senate and Congress, um, we definitely should be consulting and talking about shit and having our little hen sessions and clucking about shit. But we have no business running anything more complicated than our home or a small business, in my opinion. Okay, so how do you stand on the position of (laughs) the reign of Queen Elizabeth for holy shit how many years? I mean, she didn't fuck it all the way up. Well, no, because the system was put in place a long ass time ago and all she had to do was not die. So like I mean, you, don't you get don't me wrong. You don't think that Queen she Elizabeth had a lot of really, great, but parla- but you don't think she had a lot she of important wasn't in Parliament things to you know. You don't think she had a lot of important 
things to address and handle. I mean, she had decisions to make. I don't think it was just sit and sip tea and eat scones and be a you know public figure with her corgis. But that's kind of what it was, though. I mean, other than having an opinion on something and be brought out to speak on it, like, dude, I don't, I don't, I haven't really looked at the queen because the way I understand it, the way I understand it, nobody did a thing unless this woman approved it. I mean, from all the way from the, you know, the servants on the street to her own damn family, you know, look at the whole controversy with the whole, you know, half breed Markle and, you know, Prince, you know, Prince party a lot there. Right. Well, and also, um, how she clearly wasn't good at her job. Look at fucking Prince Andrew. So that's that's I a failure that as a it mother. That's a she failure may as a have mother. Been able to keep. Well, I was gonna say she may have been able to keep her children in check if she wasn't worried about a goddamn country. But I don't know. Um, she was. She was not uh, all she was cracked up to be. I mean, the the cracks in the royals where, have been showing for a good long while, and. I mean, I get it being really like being in your 20s and being handed the reins to a country. And basically, even though you were groomed to take over someday, maybe. Yeah, you're still having a lot of pressure at that young, dumb, still very hormonal age not to fuck it up. And you're expected to be a breeder and pop out airs and, you know, spares Mm -hmm. and all that. And. I mean, there's really no wonder that it went kind of tits up and, you know, you end up with, you know, people like Prince Andrew, who's a raging pedophile, you know, Prince Charles, who just absolutely could not keep it in his pants for Camilla. And ultimately, you know, we all know the stories, you know, we've all had this disgusting fascination with the royals for years that I've never understood. I couldn't give a figgity fuck when she died. I couldn't give a figgity fuck when Charles married Camilla, Camilla, whatever the fuck, didn't give a damn when the kids got married. Like, yeah, okay, great. You had your little poster boy. Yeah, not my... Huh? It's not my royal family. I don't really care. So it's it, not my royal family. I don't... Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it's it's a very simple thing of... Not my circus, not my monkeys. That's another country that doesn't necessarily affect my own. So why people have such an unbelievable fascination with this family, like they float on water or something, I have never been able to understand. And I really think it was Diana's death that really kind of opened people's eyes to the fact that, oh, maybe this family is not as squeaky clean as they claim to be as they appear to be you know the cracks really started to show and then when the conspiracies started flying around that you know the queen mother had ordered her to be killed because she you know it didn't look good on her that you know mommy's little boy was getting a divorce from you know essentially the people's princess and yeah just holy christ such drama not gonna go there don't know why we rabbit hold into the royal family but please continue well, it's we rabbit hold into it because of uh, women holding positions of power, such as leaders of countries. Um, again, not to shit on Queen Elizabeth or anything, but like mm, your own family kind of fell apart, sis, and your country really didn't do so good either. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong, they didn't fall, they didn't buckle, right? It was okay, but also to like, there's no, I don't know. 
the monarchy thing is a little silly and uh, either everybody does it or nobody should do it anymore because that's just not how the world works. Like the even British Parliament like had more. It's kind of like a figurehead thing. Like in America, Senate and Congress run America. The president's just the fucking dummy with a signature hand. Like that's all. He doesn't actually get, except for all the executive orders. Anything he wants to actually do, he can do executive orders. But like, um, ultimately, no. I don't. I don't think that women's positions are in positions of leadership up to and including countries and and companies. Like, I don't. I think that if if it is something that you're going to venture into, then that uh, should probably be the only thing you work on. Like, you if if you're gonna be a politician then you should be a politician you shouldn't be um wife or mother and that sounds kind of crappy but like you can't you can't divert your attention and your energies to that level and be effective and to some extent that goes for men as well like as a human being you have a finite amount of energy and empathy that you can discharge throughout a day and if you're spending all your time in Senate listening to fucking bill proposals and the, well, what about, like, you have to extend empathy and energy all day long there doing that. And then you go home to the people where you're supposed to have the most empathy and energy for and you have nothing. That serves nobody. Okay, so let me ask like you this. That, on that on that note, uh, or along that line, sorry, Um so are you saying that if a woman from a young age goes, you know what, I want to grow up and be the president in the United States, and she makes that solemn thought in her mind, she gets really good grades, goes to college and gets, you know, fill in the blanks degree, whatever the fuck. Well, okay. that's not going to happen because we have political dynasties, but yeah, she should do yeah, that. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm saying, like, follow, do, uh, my, my question is this, follow yeah. along the, you know, the little, the little path that my little Pac-Man brain's taking right now. Yeah. <laughs> um... So she she goes to college, gets good grades, and decides, you know what? I, I'm just I'm not I'm not getting married. I'm not having a relationship. Not getting married. It's it's going to be me and my political aspirations from the time she's like oh, I don't know five. Okay, mm-hmm. are you saying okay. that you would be okay with you know little Polly no. Pocket who grew up, no. not got married, not had kids, completely? devoted to her political career you still would not be okay with her leading the free world even though you took out those barriers that you put in place that being family yep. children dot 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 if all she does is devote her entire there. world and brain to this she's still got that lady brain she still has that lady brain okay i just wanted to hear your idea and that's where it. Yeah, that's where part of me kind of understands the the puberty blockers, the deep, deep desire to not be a woman or that weird desire men have to be a woman. I don't fucking get that one. But like I understand to some extent that delusional child mindset of I don't want to be a woman. I would like to hit pause on this. I would like not do that. Anything else? That'd be great. Because mm, periods every month, fucking being four different people a month, fucking being held to societal expectations, familial expectations, it's hard. Womanhood is hard. Hard, hard, lemon hard. So, And also the fact that we're viewed as a weaker sex and there are some predatory mm-hmm. men out there that take advantage of that. And, you know, right. that that's a fear that, unfortunately, as women, we live with every day is that, you know, if we leave our house, are we going to be, you know, victimized somehow 
by some fucking man on a power trip that thinks he has the right to do fill in the blanks. I mean, I'm just being real about it. Yeah, I carry a weapon and, and you know, <laughs> on the norm, even at the grocery store most times, my thought process on that is, yeah, go ahead, come get you some. But most women are not <laughs> like me. Most women are not hard-ass former dykes who are trying to live the cisgender life and be happy, you know, I'm I'm an anomaly, but for most women out there, you know, there's such a there's there's a dichotomy because on one hand, you have women that want to be in the male dominated roles, like the politics, like, you know, the truck driving, the construction, da da da. Then on the other hand, you have the women like yourself who are either I want to stay home and raise my family or I'm going to work in a position of secretary, uh, you know, whatever feminine labeled jobs, if you will. You've got Mm -hmm. you've got those two different classes of people. And unfortunately, it feels like when the two clash is when the biggest problem comes in. Because you've got the left-hand side being, don't be so fucking weak. You've got the right-hand side being, be more feminine. You know what I'm saying? What do you do when you're stuck smack in the, that, diff, in the middle of that? You know, I often said, right. I'm just as comfortable putting on a ball gown and heels as I am a pair of shit kickers and jeans. And that's just who I am. I can be that androgynous person who, yeah, I'm a woman, but I look like I'll take your fucking life. Or I look like the fairy tale princess that every little girl dreams about growing up and becoming. And that's that's what I mean, in my opinion, that's what being a woman is, is the ability to be the soft feminine, like really embody the feminine. And also when situations present themselves, tap into your man uh, and handle business Um, that overarching consistency that i'm starting to notice throughout all of this is that when real masculinity is not present feminine women's have to put on that masculine role um because it's not around i I was gonna say there again the comments you've had about fatherless homes having to be mom and dad and i'm and and i'll admit Okay, in my house, yeah, that was the case. I had to be mom and dad because my ex left and it was up to me to raise my two sons. And I don't regret a damn thing that I did. I don't regret a day of, you know, playing football with them, playing trucks with them, whatever. But they also had they also had the security in themselves that if my son came to me and said, Mom, will you buy me a Barbie doll? I'd be like, what kind do you want? Because I'm not the person mm-hmm. who's going to say, I'm going to put you in this little box where because you have a pole, you have to like Tonka trucks and matchbox cars and wrestling. If you want to like sewing, if you want to like, you know, art, if you want to like something on the more feminine side, I will I will support you in that. But at the same time, yeah, the- I'm also the parent who if my son came home with a boyfriend, I would be like, okay. Like, what do you want me to do about this? Is is it a phase? Because when I, when I, <laughs> seriously, okay, I can remember specifically when yeah, one of my dad's uncles passed. Most of passed. the reason, 
And I have a female rainbow symbol on the inside of one of my ankles. My father saw it because I was wearing a pair of pantyhose. And he came unhinged. I knew it. You just couldn't. I'm like, Dad, I don't know what part of phase you didn't understand. And I have no shame over that art. That is a part of my life. It is, you know, it's what I consider my artistic scars. Because, you know, you say that, you know, tattoos are associated with trauma. And even though I don't feel that any of my tattoos are actually trauma-based. Yeah. Socially acceptable form of self-harm. Yeah. Something to that effect. But I can remember the whole, you know, phase thing. And parents who shun their children because they're going through a phase of, I think I want to try this. You know, instead of shitting on them, why don't you get them a counselor and go, why don't we dig into why it is that you think you need to take a dick in the ass instead of munching carpet? Just help me out here, son. Well, that's not how those conversations go. It's all about validating somebody's beliefs now. Um, No, I understand that I was being completely snarky and facetious. And occasionally I have a habit of doing that because I... (laughs) <laughs> I rem- Here's the thing. I remember having that conversation with my parents roughly because my mother told me my father came to her and asked if I was a lesbian. And my mother's response to her credit was, you will have to ask her. So I give my mother credit for having the self-awareness to say, I'm not going to answer that question. Talk directly to her. Now, of course, my father would mm-hmm. never have had the the stones to have asked me that question. He's just not that person. He would he would be that person to other people, but not his own daughter. But anyway, so I saw an opportunity at one point in time. I was visiting him and getting ready to leave. And I said, oh, by the way, Dad, Mom told me about the question you asked her about, you know, if I was a lesbian. And I said, uh, the answer is yes. And I closed the door and walked away. And that was how I came out to my to to my father in in grand fashion. So when he had his complete conniption fit over my tattoo on my ankle, because you know, oh, you just had to do it. Da 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 da. It's like this is this is part of the. They didn't shun me, kick me out, and say you're not our daughter anymore. But they also weren't completely accepting and understanding that I went in a different direction than what he had arguably envisioned for me, despite the fact, okay, I, unlike a lot of dykes, actually had kids. So they didn't have that, but we want grandchildren. No, you have grandchildren. You have two wonderful, sweet grandchildren. So... They didn't need any more green kids. I was okay to to shut the factory down. Did I ever expect anyone was going to fucking buy the building and, uh, you know, <laughs> and put it back in operation? No. But here we are. <laughs> so do you have any other thoughts on this feminism and its impact on the world Back in 1960-something, when it really took a big a big whirlwind, or, you know, what it's become in our present day. What are your thoughts? To some extent, the men should have said, shut the fuck up and sit down. <laughs> <laughs> to some extent. Um, but also, it this all could have just been avoided if... Um, 
I don't know, corporate greed wasn't a thing, if profit margins weren't a thing, and then you get into like the communist socialist arguments, which is where the retarded college leftist liberal lady brain people find themselves. Um, I don't, I think, I guess maybe it's, it's that point where we got a little too open-minded and that's the first time our brain fell out is in the sixties with the feminism, I think is, is what we've come to find out is like, we were so open-minded that our brain fell out and then we picked it up, dusted it off and put it back in. And then the nineties come and say, let everybody hop in this, which just dilutes it to absolutely nothing now. Um, so I don't know. I guess it's, a, it's just another one of those defunct thought processes and institutions that we've dealt with that we no longer have to. So uh, closing statements, if the idea of being a feminist makes your life harder or worse or makes you feel bad, just don't be a feminist anymore. There you go. Problem solved. That is, <laughs> I think that is probably the most uh, accurate answer for the situation is if you don't like it, just don't fucking do it. Nobody's holding a gun to your head telling yeah. you that no. you have to vote. Nobody's holding a gun to your head telling you you have to run for a political office or that you have to do the job that a man does. Yeah. I mean, I do agree with the equal yeah. pay thing. If I'm as qualified as a, a man, I've got the same number of years in just because I bleed once a month, just because maybe I have to, I mean, I don't be an older woman, but, um, you know, I don't have to worry of the kids uh, needing me to stay home because they're sick or whatever. I might have my, mm -hmm. you know, my, my marriage kid <laughs> that needs me to stay home because he's sick and uh, whatnot. But at, at the end of the day, I, I think that, to just blanket say women aren't as, you know, w women shouldn't have the equality that men have because we have extenuating circumstances in, in the year of to date 2024, when we have men who are women and women who are men and men who stay home with the kids while the woman goes out and works. And the dynamics have completely changed since the 1960s when it's, when this got its largest push forward toward equality and i think we just need to kind of reevaluate where we're at in the world and yeah not not devalue ourselves 100 percent know our worth but also and i'm going to catch Amen. shit for saying this know our place word and that i mean and this is also where People like to get upset with me. I don't know. Nobody ever tells me they're upset with me, but I imagine somebody's butt hurt when I say things like this. Um, the the women jobs, they're just ones that we're really good at and that we thrive in, right? Like being a receptionist, that you have to answer phones, you have to take notes, you have to file paperwork, you have to communicate information. Like, eh. How many men you know that are good at filing? Not many, unless they have to be or they want to be. How many men you know are good at communicating? Not many, unless they have to be. Like, it's not, it's not a demeaning thing when it's a woman, it's a, it's a woman job. It means that you are most suited to do this job and be fucking great at it. Like, that's, that's the mentality that I have when I see things like, 
a woman field. Oh, okay, cool. That means that that's where we shine. Nurses, that's a predominantly woman field because why? We're natural caregivers. Yeah, but it doesn't uh, mean that. Us. And we we do see, it doesn't mean that a man can't do that job, that they can't be no. a nurturing, caring person who gives great, uh, you know, mm-hmm. care. And I'll actually say that I appreciate male nurses, and uh, and there's one very big reason for that, and it might sound sexist, but look, just frankly, they have to actually try to be good at it. They're stronger. If you've ever had to try to move yeah. a fucking okay. patient in a hospital bed, I can assure oh, yeah. you that is some hard shit. And if you've got to need a man nurse. Yeah. If you've got a male nurse who yeah. can go in there and, you know, even two of them, let's say you're lucky enough to have two on pick your staff. Pick up 128 you know, pounds Pete, of Dave, go pick, you know, yeah. Mrs. Jones up and or Mr. Jones up and slide him up in his bed. You know, shh, easy peasy where yeah. it would take three or four, you know, two big ass bitches or three. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> To get Mr. Jones slid up in his bed. So kudos to the male nurses out there. I'm not shitting on them at all. Any more than, quite no. honestly, um, I'm, I'm going to be real about the fact that I think there are certain jobs where, as much as it's a male-dominated job, women do shine in their positions in that. Um, again, as a truck driver, I had a three or I had a 4.0 grade point average in truck driving school. I did it for 14 years. I could put that truck damn near anywhere. I could do that shit faster than most men. I had a lot better driving record than most men. And I didn't spend my time worrying about if I was going to get my dick sucked by a lot lizard. If anything, don't knock on my door. Pretend like you don't know who the fuck I am. And I can tell you, I had a situation like that in Texas one time. I was parked and chilling, and I saw this this chick walking upside my truck. She was about to knock on that bitch, and she looked up and seen me. Mm, yeah, she changed her mind real damn quick. But with that, we're not going to go down the road of uh, trucker stories and things like that. We're just going to say a simple few things. No lot lizards around here. Yeah, right? Uh, <laughs> if you haven't already done it, Remember to turn your withholdings back on. Take, talk to your HR. Time to let Uncle Sam take his penance again. Hem, you know, you hear it every week. We're going to say it again. Repeal the 19th. Repeal the 19th. <laughs> That's right. With that, we're going to give you back the rest of your Monday, and we're going to invite you to go out there and be part of the solution and earn it. Money, 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 money. Money.